from American Falls to Malad, we've got the biggest stories in District 5 covered. This is the Southeast Idaho PrepCast with Jordan K. That's right. It's another edition of the Southeast Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, brought to you by Pure Adrenaline Motorsports, your source for pulse-pounding adrenaline sports apparel and accessories that ensure you have what you need to unleash your inner beast. Brandon Bandy joined, as always, by Jordan Kay from the Idaho State Journal in Pocatello. Jordan, what's happening? I'm much enjoying the uh, fall high school sports season kind of winding down, and so... Uh... You know, the workload's getting a little easier for uh, at least a month, probably. Yeah, and then we'll dive right back into it. So, yeah, but for back. you, but for you though, it actually isn't because you, in addition to all the high school stuff you're doing at at the Idaho State Journal, you still have all of your ISU responsibilities, right? Yeah. Football is still going, and now men's and women's basketball have started as well at ISU, right? Yeah, but that that's focusing on one team and not fifteen, so. It's a little easier to keep track of. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, so, so you were at the ISU men's basketball exhibition match on Saturday, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, they look good. They're they're a pretty deep team. Uh, I think they were like picked. Someone said like tenth in the Big Sky, which I'd be surprised if they finished worse than like fourth or fifth. So we'll see there. Mm-hmm. And then I think the women's team, you know, probably should repeat again. They're they're just stacked. Wow, ISU fourth or fifth? I'm not quite ready to make that leap, Jordan. But uh, see, people seem to think that they'll be fighting with the Vandals in the basement. I don't think that's necessarily true either. No, but no. who who did they play? Who was their opponent? Oh gosh, on uh, Saturday, Multnomah. I don't even know where that is or what league they play in. Yeah, I, I, okay. I was going to ask you because I'd never heard of the school before, and they won no. like what a hundred to fifty-four or something, right? Yeah, something just ridiculous. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was a show. Okay, well, for all of that ISU coverage, and of course, all of the high school uh, coverage as well, you can find it all in the Idaho State Journal hard copy or online at idahostatejournal.com. Uh, let's start by recapping. Uh, there was a lot of state championships happening last week. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about uh, the state cross country uh, meet that happened at Eagle Island Park over in the Treasure Valley uh, at the 4A level, especially uh, Southeast Idaho and District 5 was very well represented. Yeah, the uh, the girls, I think District 5 really had a great showing. Uh, last year it was Skyline behind their uh, freshman uh I think it's Neela Roberts who has now won two straight state titles. She's just a sophomore, but Preston got a little bit of revenge and was able to uh, take home the state title. They've just got such a young team. That's just unreal. Um, Angelie Scott's up there. And then they've got uh, just a, probably like, I think it's like three or four other ones, other girls who were like either sophomores or freshmen or juniors. I mean, like they're going to be returning a ton. And then Pocatello girls, they had uh, actually won second. Um, Bailey Bird, who's a just phenomenal junior, she'd probably have a couple state titles right now if it wasn't for Neela Roberts. But she finished second, just over 18 minutes, and then um, had a couple other girls. And you know Taylor Bunderson um, cracked the the top 10. So yeah, Pocatello had a pretty good showing, and for the second straight year too, they uh, won a trophy in boys, both the boys and the girls, which a little surprising on the boys' side because last year they lost um, Shane Gard and Brevin Vaughn, who were two top ten runners, and so 
a lot of people thought that they would kind of just fall off <laughs> once those two left. But, you know, they came back this year. They've got a kid, Sonny Gunn, who finished in the top five. Uh, but again, I think the surprise this year, though, was in the boys' side, Blackfoot. Uh, Blackfoot won their first state title since, I think, man, what was it? was like 1975. Um, they had a senior, Eli Gregory, who won it all and had a couple other kids finish in the top 10, top 20. And then Preston um, ended up getting a, uh, a trophy, too. They've got a, a stack team, you know, led by uh, a senior, Edison Leffler, who won the the state title by kind of diving at the line. So, yeah, a lot of the uh, the local teams really showed out. And uh, I think, I mean, in total, I guess there would have been five trophies between District 5, District 6, or, you know, District 5 plus Blackfoot in the boys and the girls. So, you know, five out of eight is a pretty good showing. Yeah. Uh, Eli Gregory was the individual boys champion from Blackfoot. The first individual champ at Blackfoot since 1974. Yeah. How about that? Nice. Uh, and, and Preston, you know, you wonder, well, Skyline had the overall winner. How did they not win the title? Well, all seven of Preston's runners finished in the top 22 overall. So yeah. the depth of Preston really showed through. You mentioned Edison Leffler, who's a great distance runner. Uh, we, when we were broadcasting um, the Bob Conley cross country invite at the Port of Wellness Complex in Pocatello earlier this year, we were interviewing all of the champions, including the JV champions. And okay. so the the, the JV uh, champion on the girls' side came up and did the interview, and I didn't find out until the end. It's Edison Leffler's younger sister. So, really, be on the, yes, be on the lookout for another Leffler coming through the ranks, but this time on the girls' side. Well, she was in. Uh, she's on their was on their varsity team for state, and actually was one of their placers. So yeah, maybe she got moved up, or maybe there's another sister. Who knows? Uh, yeah, that's crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's funny how those families uh, come through, and yeah, and they do well. Uh, the three A uh, races were also pretty interesting. Sugar Salem won uh, their seventh title in a row um on the boys side and, and snake river took second place but snake river uh had the individual champ i believe in keegan mccraw yeah. um and then on the girls side snake river was actually able to upend sugar salem so congratulations to the snake river girls um basically it came down to uh, the fourth and fifth runners for for snake river they finished better than sugar salem and that's what allowed them to surge past sugar salem for the title there so uh, it was it was pretty awesome. Keegan McCraw from Snake River uh, ran a 16-19.3. So congrats to Keegan and, and Snake River as well for representing at the 3A level. Pretty exciting. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so that was cross country. Now let's move indoors to volleyball, where that was all taking place up north. And again, District 5 well represented. And, of course, we thought coming into the, the weekend for state volleyball that of all the teams that were competing from district five, the West side pirates probably had the best chance of bringing home a, a championship trophy. And that's exactly what they did is they won the two a title. Yeah. They did. They repeated were one of the, the only local team, I guess that actually took home the title. And I think a lot of people expected this one. They brought back a, just a ton of talent. They had Jesse Mariscal, who was a senior outside this year, Madeline Barzi, who is a senior libero. Um, they just, you know, returned a lot of talent from their championship team last year. And that's just a school and a program that knows how to win. Um, despite going up north, I think that can be a little intimidating sometimes is, you know, the whole state experience and then 
kind of that's amplified when you got to drive, you know, whatever, eight hours to go get there. And Westside just knows how to do it. They know how to win. They've got the pieces. They've got the players who understand, you know, what it's going to take to get a trophy. And so, yeah, I don't think that one was too surprising. Um, and then, you know, there were two, uh, two runner up from district five. You had Rockland team that, you know, didn't, uh, I think, you know, it was a little tough to tell how good they were because they were in such a great conference that you weren't exactly sure, you know, how that would translate to the state level. They were kind of in a dogfight all year with, you know, Mackie, with uh, North Gem, even Grace Lutheran, you know, gave them some good, good battles. And so you weren't exactly sure, you know, what they were going to do at state just because their record, it's not like they were a juggernaut all year. And then Grace, which had a kind of a tough regular season, but again, a program that knows how to win the reigning state champions kind of worked their way back all the way to the uh, state title match ended up falling there, but you know, another trophy for grace. So um, pretty impressive for, for those three programs. Yeah. Jordan, you called it with grace because I do eight of these podcasts a week uh, across all of the different districts and nobody, because we were all breaking down the brackets and thinking, you know, Oh, we think this team could do well in this team. Nobody gave grace a shot except for you. So you can go, go ahead and own that Jordan. Boom. There you go. (laughs) Love grace. Yep. Lock it in. So, so yeah, so state volleyball is all wrapped up and that means now, uh, you know, football and swimming have the spotlight this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, State swimming will take place over in Boise. I know you had a nice profile earlier this year on uh, the swimmers in Pocatello. It's always tough to go over to state and compete, but at least they're getting to compete in person after last year's virtual state meet, right? Yeah, no, that was just kind of the one of the worst uh, circumstances for high school athletics last year. Swimming just kind of, you know, were kicked to the corner and like, oh, yeah, you guys, we'll, we'll give you something. It was they weren't even able to compete in like a real meet. It was just a district meet, but it was like at a like basically an empty pool and they were just timed. And then their times were sent into the, you know, the the state, the IHSAA. And then it was like, whatever times were the best, that's how you won. But I know a lot of District 5 coaches were pissed off because, you know, they were up in Idaho Falls where the elevation's higher than it is in Boise. And they were given no, um, you know, there was no way to like fluctuate that, you know, to make it even for everyone. And so it was like everyone in District 5 and on, you know, in Eastern Idaho felt like they were at a disadvantage just given that they were at a higher elevation and, you know, there was no adjustment made. And yeah, there's a decent amount of local swimmers. Uh, I think Pocatello won the district title. Um, Highland, really good program. They had some unreal numbers early on in the season. Then Century has got a couple. One is pretty interesting. Their their coach over at Century is uh, Peggy Kaiser. And her son, John, is uh, actually going to state as a senior, which if you kind of tab it up, there's now been a Kaiser in the last 12 state title or state, you know, meets, which is kind of wild. So 12 straight years that a Kaiser has been uh, swimming all from that same family. And, uh, and all at century as well. I believe so. Yeah. Wow. Well, there was, there was times I think when it was like all three schools were uh, right program, but yeah, yeah. Technically all at century, I think. So pretty crazy. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, the Kaiser family will keep an eye out for them yeah. at state swimming. Yeah. Um, and then of course state football is going on as well. Jordan, we had the opening round of the playoffs last week, quarterfinals this week. 
I figured we'll just start at the top and work our way down uh, because uh, the first game we're going to talk about is the game that you were at and uh, wrote about in the Idaho State Journal, and that's in the 5A ranks. And again, if you're watching the video of this, we're putting the brackets up on the screen so you can follow along. Uh, if you're listening to the audio only at idahosports.com or wherever you download your podcasts, uh, you can still look at the brackets. They're on the homepage at idahosports.com, and it'll have all the info there that you need to see. Uh, we we were both at the same game, actually, as Highland yeah. took on Skyview. The Rams got the win 45-28. to 28. wasn't really decided until the second half, though. Skyview, for a while, was kind of matching Highland score for score, and then a couple of turnovers in the second half really turned it Highland's way. Yeah, I was kind of surprised, um, you know, because it's not like Highland's offense was bad, but Skyview just found answers. And, you know, talking with uh, Gino Mariani, the Highland coach afterwards, he almost seemed like happy that they had some adversity. It's like, you know, if you're going to win state, you've got to understand that, you know, these games are not going to be blowouts like the regular season. You're not winning, you know, 45 to 17 very often to, to be able to have a little bit of, you know, um, adversity and have to overcome that during a game. I think that could be beneficial for them, you know, going forward, especially, you know, leading up to this, this showdown with Rocky mountain, but yeah, this has been something kind of a trend for Highland all season. Whenever they need a stop, whenever they need some a momentum swing, their defense has always found ways to come up with turnovers, to come up with stops, to force pressure. I mean, this is that's the backbone of this Highland team. That's what's going to carry them through state. And already after one game, you're kind of seeing the impact that they can have on a game. Yeah, we've talked about Sloan Lamson and uh Cody Colvin a lot this year for Highland. The The guy I thought that really played the best on Friday, though, was Drew Roberts. Yep, I thought uh, so, too. He was a monster all over the field. Yeah, the uh, the former Century Diamondback, now Highland Ram. Drew, yeah, Drew Roberts on the defensive line played awesome. And I've also learned now that the Highland offense, last year we talked about how Highland's offense runs through Caleb DiMuzio, right? Mm -hmm. uh, he's the focal point of the offense. I've now learned that, Jack Whitmer is the focal point of the offense. Everything runs through him. Obviously, the passing game runs through him because he's the quarterback. But even the running game, yeah. I think, starts with Whitmer. A hundred percent. Yeah, you you see when they – it's almost – it's kind of weird. You know, a lot of people want, oh, 50% runs, 50% passes. And, you know, if you're doing 50%, you know, runs, I mean, most of those are, are Jack Whitmer. Um, and the other thing, though, it's, it's not like – the running backs, you know, and Eli Parrish and, you know, Jackson Riddle. I mean, it's not like they're not getting, you know, touches or something, but a lot of times their running backs are getting more involved through the pass game sometimes and just, you know, straight handoffs. They're doing, you know, some quick shuttle passes or they're doing screen passes or bubble screens or things like that to find, you know, creative ways to get their running backs into the game and then are able to do some different design runs with Whitmer that can kind of keep a defense, you know, on its heels a little bit. Yep. I agree. The, the versatility uh, with the backs has been nice to watch. Let, let's talk about this quarterfinal matchup. Now they've got to go travel to Meridian Friday night to play Rocky mountain. This game will be a seven o'clock kickoff. This is a rematch from that week zero game that we saw uh, at the start of the season, yep. a, a game that Rocky won 12 to seven. How do you think it plays in the rematch, Jordan? Uh, I really think Highland should almost, I would say Highland's favorite if this was at Holt Arena. I, I don't know what the, you know, what the advantage Rocky's going to have by playing a home game. But 
you've got to think just, you know, how far Highland has come since that week zero game. And I don't know a ton about Rocky Mountain. I know they they fell on a tight one to a, a Mountain View team who most people probably pegged as their favorite to win the state going into the playoffs. But, you know, Highland's offense has come so far since that that game from week zero. I think, yeah, would they score seven points? Um, they're scoring, you know, seven points in the first five minutes of most of these games now. Jack Whitmer has been just so much more effective. He's understood his role in the offense that he needs to run the ball, ball a lot more than uh, possible. They're executing better in the passing attack. And then their defense is just as good as it was back then. Um, I think Highland's got all the pieces to beat Rocky Mountain this time around. But, you know, the playoffs, you don't really know what's going to happen. This is still kind of a Highland team that's young. They they fell last year this time in the playoffs. So um, I think there's a lot <laughs> – a lot to be desired, you know, still from Highland, um, just kind of clicking on all cylinders as far as it goes with the offense. But you kind of like the Rams' chances going forward. I do too, and I'll call it. I think Highland goes to Rocky Mountain. Yeah. I think they get the win. I really do. Yeah. Um, for a couple of reasons. When, when you look on paper, these teams are about as even as, as you can get, right? Highland is 8-2. and two, Rocky is 7-2. and two. They both average 33 points a game. They both allow 17, 18 points a game. So they're pretty much dead even there. What I like about this Highland team is they've been battle-tested. They have they have experienced, a lot of these players experienced having to go on the road to Rocky Mountain last year and losing in that playoff contest, whereas Rocky Mountain lost, I think it was like 21 of their 22 starters from yeah. last year's state championship team. It's, it's all new guys for Rocky that don't really know yet how to win in the playoffs. They haven't been challenged that way. And this reminds me of two years ago when Highland had to go to Bora in the quarterfinal round, uh, a road game. They weren't favored. Bora had the Gatorade player of the year in Austin Bolt, who's now at Boise State. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter. Highland went there and and punched him around and came away with the win. Yeah, Uh, I I think a very similar thing happens this Friday. Yeah, no, I I totally get that. I think there's another thing too of, Highland's got the chip on its shoulder. I mean, it lost to Rocky Mountain in week zero. They're kind of pissed off about that. Um, they're looking at this as kind of the revenge tour, I think we've we've called it in the past, is, you know, you're playing Rocky Mountain here, team you lost to, and then, you know, looking forward, possibly Rigby in the, the state title match. Like, they want to get revenge on these teams. They think they're better than these teams. And so, yeah, I think there's a little bit of, a you know, an edge that Highland has. Yeah, so I'd, I'll call it straight out. And again, right. if, if I'm wrong next week, I'll own it. But I really like Highland in this matchup. So yeah, and let's uh, move on to the 4A ranks where we'll show the bracket here real quick. Uh, let's let's start with Preston. You know, their season comes to an end. They mm-hmm. they played uh, in Shelley Friday night and fell 36 to 13. For Preston, I don't think this season can be considered anything other than a smashing success because when they came into the season, we thought. Yeah, they might get a playoff spot, you know, probably the second best team in the conference. And they really had a, a an excellent year under head coach Eric Thorson. Yeah, they were one good quarter away from winning the, you know, the conference and probably being like a top three seed in the entire bracket. So, I mean, you look at that and and I don't think anyone expected that from Preston going into the year. Other thing is, I mean, they have so much um, young talent that's going to be returning. And I think the biggest thing for this Preston team is every coach that I talked to about them said the same thing. They're extremely physical, extremely tough up front. And I think that's, you know, for a team that's trying to 
be on the rise and make strides in 4A, that's the biggest thing you can ask for. I mean, that's that's usually what comes last. You can have all the skilled players in the world, but if you're not physical, you're not going to win. And so Preston already has that. They already know somewhat what their identity is. And I think going forward, they're kind of set. I mean, they've got just great receivers who can, you know, big, strong guys like a Tyler Lind- Lindstrom on the, the outside. Um, they've got a you know, young quarterback in Brecker Knapp who knows how to throw the ball. They've got a really talented running back in Amory Thorson. And they've got a strong offensive and defensive line that can push around. I mean, most teams in 4A. Going forward, I think that's pretty much how you set a, a foundation for success. Yeah, and and Eric Thorson, the head coach, has has done this before. He, before yeah. he took the head coaching job at Preston, he was a head coach in Utah, and he took over a program that was like had won like four games in three <laughs> years, something like that. And he t- he turned them around, turned them into a league championship winning team and he's doing the same at Preston you know Preston was a team that I mean they've won more than four games in three years but when when Eric Thorson took over three or four years ago you know Preston was a team that had struggled and now uh two of the four years he's been at Preston he's taken them to the playoffs and I I think he is slowly building Preston into a really solid football team it's really nice to watch their continued growth and development Uh, speaking of building a program up in growth and development I mean Pocatello had to kind of do the same thing, right? With yeah. with Dave Spillett, their head coach, and now we're we're kind of at the end game of the rebuild, where yes. they're, they're they're really good now. Um, their opening round game in Holt Arena Friday night after the Highland game uh, was a game that they won over Bonneville uh, by a final of twenty four to six. Now you're going to look at that score and go, "Well, boy, that was kind of close." Well, Bonneville basically played keep away, played and keep tried- away, and. I, I will give Bonneville a lot of credit. I mean, Spillett was saying afterwards, and maybe he was just kind of tooting their horn a little bit, but I don't think so. He was like, I watched him on film and was a little bit, you know, nervous about this matchup. I mean, you know, they don't have exactly the skill guys that can beat you, but they have a physical and defensive line that can get to your quarterback and kind of cause havoc for your running game. And so, you know, that's, you know, high, Pocatello has really built itself this season on a really good offensive line that opens holds for Reich and Echo Hawk and keeps Ryan Payne, uh, you know, healthy in the pocket. And Bonneville is kind of able to disrupt that a little bit. They don't have the skill players that are going to put, you know, 35, 40 points on you, but you know, you can keep with a physical defensive line and playing keep away. You can make it a low scoring game that, you know, at least keeps the game close. And then, you know, from there you're hoping that you can, kind of work some magic in the fourth quarter and, you know, make an upset. And that's what Bonneville almost did, right? They were, they were driving with like four minutes to play down uh, 17 to six and were, were threatening to cut it to a one score game. And that's when crew Hales intercepted that pass right at the goal line and returned it a hundred yards for a pick six. We came into the game thinking Pocatello's offense was going to be what they leaned on, but really it was the Pocatello defense that won this game, right? Four takeaways in the secondary. Carson Christensen had two interceptions. Matt Christensen had a pick and then Hales had the 100 yard pick six. So it was nice to see Pocatello because we've talked about their offense all year. It was nice to see Pocatello win with their defense. Yeah. I mean, Uh oh, looks like we lost Jordan. <laughs> oh, can you hear me now? Yeah, there we go. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those interceptions were just thrown right to the Pocatello defenders. It's not like, um, and I think some of that is on their defensive line. You've got guys like Caden Hoddle, who's able to cause, a, you know, a quarterback to 
to not be comfortable in the pocket and have to kind of just chuck up passes that And, uh, I mean, he threw it into, like, four Pocatello defenders. I mean, any one of them could have grabbed that and taken it all the way. But, yeah. I think we're having some uh, internet problems with Jordan. So let's uh, see if we can get that fixed. Let's bring up the bracket again here and let's talk about this quarterfinal matchup uh, because for Pocatello, I think this is a really dangerous draw. They are the two seed overall. They get the seven seed from uh, District 3. That's Bishop Kelly. So this is a, a matchup that Pocatello lost last year on the road at BK. I know after the game, Jordan, it looks like you're back now. It looks like, so I know after the game that Pocatello was pretty psyched that they get to play Bishop Kelly and, and possibly get revenge from last year's playoff loss. Oh, or not. <laughs> well, I will tell you that Pocatello was happy uh, to get revenge uh, or the chance at revenge, but I this is going to be a tough matchup with Bishop yeah. Kelly playing inside the dome, right? Yeah, and I I was kind of surprised by how much all the the entire Pocatello team really um, looked at the bracket and was like, all we want is Bishop Kelly. I mean, they're still pissed off from that game from last year. Um, they think that that was kind of um, not indicative of how good they were, and so this gives them a chance at you know a little bit of revenge. But you know, it's kind of kind of a tough draw though for. You know, you're the second best team, you know, quote unquote, in the, the entire bracket. You've got to have Bishop Kelly second round. I mean, that's <laughs> just does not seem very fun. I mean, you look at Sandpoint. Heck, that was what everyone thought Pocatello was going to be, you know, the number one seed. And Sandpoint slipped into it. Um, they get to play Shelly, a Shelly team that, you know, was not good down the stretch. And Pocatello's got to play a Bishop Kelly team that, you know, are just is full of just monsters. So, um, not an easy draw, and I think this is the real the real litmus test of how good is Pocatello. Um, they've been challenged a little bit this season. You know, had tough games against Preston, um, a couple ones earlier in the year against uh, you know a Utah team and um, some other ones around the state. But I mean, this is the real thing. Like, is Pocatello um, legit? And I think this is kind of going to be the real test for them. Yeah, Pocatello. If we look at this bracket, I think they got the worst matchup of any team that's playing in the in the second round or the quarterfinals i think if they get past this one they're going all the way i mean this this to me is the biggest hurdle yep. that's in front of them uh i do i do like pocatello if I, my official picks that i'm putting on record i like sandpoint uh i like i actually like nampa over blackfoot yeah and i like pocatello and skyline which would be a, a fantastic semifinal matchup, but you're right. This this is the test. This is because they're uh, you know Pocatello's had a great regular season, but you know and I know that people from other parts of the state have kind of doubted you know Pocatello. Well, what kind of schedule did they play? Well, they didn't play anybody. They're really not that good. This is their opportunity to quiet those people, right? I will say too. I mean, Bishop Kelly for the last you know however many years, it's built itself on big physical bodies who you know, a lot of times just push around other teams in 4A. Uh, you saw it last year against Pocatello. I mean, they were just able to totally disrupt um, the Thunder. 
And then they go in the next week of last year's playoffs and they go up against a century team who could match it, you know, in the trenches. You had guys like uh, Titan Fleischman and Jackson Tubia who are big bodies who can, you know, size-wise match up with a Bishop Kelly team. And they, you saw how much Century disrupted them last year. Bishop Kelly couldn't get their run game going. Their quarterback was always in distress. And I think that's the opportunity that Pocatello has this week is they've built themselves on we are now a team that can get to other quarterbacks. We have a front seven that is big, that is physical, that is fast, that is going to make you know quarterbacks really have to scramble around all the time. I mean, this is the test. I mean, they, they've done it against some some decent 4A teams and some not-so-decent 4A teams. I mean, this is, if you can do it against Bishop Kelly, I mean, yeah, like you're saying, their, their path to the championship after that is just gets easier. Yep. So we'll keep an eye on Pocatello and how they do. That's a game we'll have for you Friday night on IdahoSports.com. If you want to see the full schedule of games we're doing, we got about 85% of the quarterfinal games covered in some form or fashion. Uh, you can go to our website, IdahoSports.com, click on the Game Streams tab, and that'll show you all the broadcasts that we're doing on the weekend. Uh, 3A ranks, Marsh Valley got that first round by. Uh, Snake River had to play on Saturday. This is a game that uh, I was at Jordan as they hosted a um, McCall Donnelly team that was just running on fumes. They were missing their wow. two best, yeah, their two best athletes, uh, DJ Green and uh, Ethan Tinney. Uh, Snake River, you know, it wasn't like a flashy win. It was just a solid, hey, thirty-two nothing. We're going to run the ball with Carson Hawker and Cole Gilbert. Actually, uh, had a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown, a fumble recovery, and an interception on defense. So he had a solid all-around game. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. Um, the fun part for that now is Snake River plays Weezer, which is uh, Snake River coach Jeb Harrison coaching against his dad, Tom Harrison, over at Weezer. Um, you know, Tom Harrison obviously is the winningest coach in Idaho history, has 10 state titles, had like a 54 game winning streak in the late 90s, you know, took Pocatello to a state title in 2006. And so now he gets to coach against his son. And uh, we'll have a story on that in the Idaho State Journal um, later you know, tonight, but yeah, I think that's just kind of a cool thing. Um, the funny part though, talking with both those guys is like, um, Tom over at Weezer was like, we haven't been tested as much as snake river has. You go look at their schedule and they're playing really good teams, really tough competition and had to kind of fight through some adversity and play in tight games. He's like, you know, we didn't have as tough of a schedule. And so I don't know how that's really going to work itself out on Friday night. And so I thought that was a really interesting point because you go look at Weezer's record and you're like, wow, I mean, this is a juggernaut. And then you look at some of the games and you're like, okay, you know, this wasn't exactly the, the best competition 3A had to offer. And so I think that's going to be an interesting thing. You've got this really good Weezer team against a, a solid Snake River team that has been tested. And so uh, that, that'll be a fun one to see how that shakes out. That's going to be so fun, and I'm I'm very much looking forward to your profile of the the Harrison boys, father and son. Yeah. Tom Harrison, of course, won a lot of titles at Snake River, and now yes. Jeb uh, Jeb is trying to do the same. So yeah. that's going to be a lot of fun. Let's talk about the other matchup in the three A ranks, Marsh Valley. This is a rematch of a game earlier this season. Marsh Valley will play Sugar Salem in Holt Arena on uh, Thursday night at seven o'clock. I'll actually be on the call for this game on IdahoSports.com. I'm pretty excited about it, Jordan. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that that Sugar-Salem game earlier in the year, I thought, um, was the really the, the catalyst for the Diggers to kind of turn around their season. They started off as the clear 
you know, three A state title favorites, hit some hiccups early in the season. Then it was kind of that Marsh Valley game that really righted their ship and they were able to kind of coast into a pretty solid seed in the state tournament. But, you know, Marsh Valley now has had, you know, two weeks to kind of prepare, able to rest their guys. That was a big thing for them because they had some injuries late in the year. Now they're kind of able to get everyone healthy. Everyone's fresh. And now you get to play um, a rematch. You've got film on what you can do against Snake River. And Marsh Valley, I mean, this offense has been really, really good the last couple of weeks. You know, even despite a loss to Gooding, um, you know, near the end there, they they really knew how to run the ball. They were getting some good good kind of push up front. We're having Michael Belknap and Bradley Belknap run the ball really well. And then you've got Peyton Howe who's just an animal um, as a wide receiver, um, really tough for most three, eight corners to guard. And then as a cornerback, I mean, he shuts down the passing game um, pretty dang well. So I think Marsh Valley has got a really um, good opportunity to, to pull the upset here. Um, but, you know, it, ah, man, it's, it's tough though, because, you know, you've got sugar Salem who knows how to win in these playoff situations. And so I think that's kind of, um, a thing that if, if you're leaning towards Sugar Salem, you've got to look towards that. Um, they've got the history in winning playoff games and kind of know how to do it despite, you know, having to kind of go on a neutral field at Holt Arena. Yep, I agree. Uh, Marsh Valley lost to Snake River 28 to 14 in that matchup earlier this year, which is close. I mean, um, that's the thing with Marsh Valley. Every game is close. It's yeah. either a close win or a close loss. So if they can keep it close, then yeah, they they match up athlete to athlete. They match up with Sugar Salem. It's, it's a matter of consistency. Yeah. yeah. So we'll yeah. see. That'll be a, that'll be a fun game Thursday night in Holt Arena. The 2A bracket, uh, Bear Lake got a win on Saturday. It was kind of a, you know, it was one of the last games that happened in the opening round of the playoffs. One o'clock, they beat Coal Valley Christian 14 to three. Uh, they, they are now on the same side of the bracket as Westside. Westside is going to play Grangeville. Bear Lake will play Nampa Christian. What do you think? An all District 5 semifinal? I really want to pick it. I I've been pretty high on this Bear Lake team all year. Um, I've thought that people around the state have not given them their due. Uh, you go look at the games they have lost, and it's just unfair like that that people look at their record. They see three losses and automatically write them off. Well, their three losses to were to Westside. Their second loss was to Firth, who's, you know, what, the number two team in 2A. And then their third loss was to, like, a Jackson Hole team that's practically a 4A team in Wyoming. I mean, this is a Bear Lake team that has handled their business against every um, you know team that they're supposed to beat this season. Nampa Christians had a really good year. Um, I think <clears throat> they've only got what one loss on the season. Yes, I think I think that's right. Um, but Bear Lake gets to get them at home. They you know have played tough competition. They had a, a really good win last week against a Cole Valley team that was sneaking into the rankings on you know almost every other week. Um, I think Bear Lake can pull the upset here. What about you? Yeah, it's uh, the problem with Bear Lake is their offense is struggles. I mean, I watched I watched some of that game on Saturday against Cole Valley Christian, and they just yeah. really struggled to move the ball at times. Um, Cole Valley actually led three nothing when that game started. Uh, they they got a late touchdown before halftime. Taysen Neal threw through a pass to Bryson Crane, and yeah. then they got another they got another touchdown with like six forty eight to play. So they I mean they were holding onto a seven three lead almost through the entire second half. And then 
Crane scored on a rushing touchdown. So that's my only concern because Nampa's got a good offense. Um, but on the flip side, Bear Lake has a really good defense. When you only allow three points to Cole Valley yeah. Christian, uh, that's that's pretty impressive. So my question is, is can Bear Lake move the ball consistently enough to have success? We'll see. Yeah. West side, of course, uh, they've won 33 games in a row now. I always have to check each week how many what the win streak's up to. I'll be honest. They're playing Grangeville, the champions from District 2 up north. I West Side will roll in this one. Grangeville uh, is a is a good team, but they really struggled this year and I mean West Side just coaching athletes, they are better than Grangeville at everything. So Yeah. Uh, there's not much you can add there. There I I'd say West Side's going to win by 40. Yeah, we'll see. This is a rematch of the quarterfinal round last year in the playoffs. Grangeville had to come down to West Side. It was a one versus an eight. Exact same yeah. matchup. Oh boy. Kind of spooky. Um, 1A ranks, uh, District 5. I'm trying to see. Grace. Grace, Grace had a tough loss to Potlatch. Um, kind of a tough way for the Grizzlies to end their season. Uh, you know, I think they won by Potlatch, won by almost 40 points. Um, Grace has come along this year. They had really good athletes. Um, a couple guys who, I um, mean, like Dallin Draper, um, and Titan Anderson, who are big body, like six, three dudes who you don't see very often in one eight. So they had a lot of athletes, but you know, sometimes just didn't have the big bodies in the trenches. And so would rely on their playmakers a lot. And, you know, that can win you a lot of games in one A. And, um, you know, they just went up against a really good potlatch team. Yeah, and that was a game played in New Plymouth. Uh, that was a, a tough road trip for both of those teams. And I think we just, I think, I think we learned that the White Pine League up north is um, is a pretty talented league because Potlatch finished fourth in that league yeah. and rolled. So, and that's who uh, usually dominates one AD one is those teams up north. So, um, it's not exactly a surprise, but um, kind of a tough draw for Grace. Yeah, well, we we joked last week, Jordan, that you'd never heard of Potlatch. You certainly have heard of them now, right? Yeah, I, I still don't exactly know where they are, but you know, I guess I have more more respect for Potlatch now um, after this one. Absolutely. I know that they're a school, which is a good thing. <laughs> that's a good start. That's yeah. a, that's a good start. One uh, eighty two. This was to me the most surprising result of any game yep. on the opening weekend. That is North Gem falling to Camas County in their playoff opener, 42 to 36. This was the very first game of the playoff weekend as well. It kicked off Thursday at two o'clock and it, it sent ripple waves across the entire state. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't, didn't see a ton about this game, but I didn't think there was any way North Gem lost. I mean, their offense I thought was just too good. Um, the one thing I'll say is they were missing, you know, uh, their big body guy, Ransom Cooper, who's one of the best defensive linemen in 1AD2. They were missing him, which kind of really, you know, you know, did not help their defense very much. And then they lost Jared Rinslenbacher, who's a really good defensive back. And so they did have some injuries in the their defense. And, you know, that kind of showed um, Camas County was able to, to put up 40 points, which doesn't happen very often against North Jim. And then their offense, you know, I think that's what the Cowboys have relied on all season just couldn't, couldn't put up enough points to, to really um, match that. And it's tough. I mean, this is um, not the way I think either of us saw the Cowboys season. And heck, you thought they were going to win the state title. So um, not good. And, and it also sucks too. I mean, Bridger Hatch has had one of the best careers um, of, you know, any North gym athlete probably, you know, ever. And, you know, it's just a crappy way for it to go down. 
if Bridger Hatch doesn't win the one AD two player of the year, then then an injustice has been done. He rushed for almost two thousand yards this year. So, I mean, that's yeah, super no. impressive. Uh, I will say Camas County, you know, they trailed 20 to six at halftime. They even trailed in the fourth quarter. They outscored North Jam 28 to eight in that fourth quarter. And I think that's where North Jam's depth or lack thereof caught yes. up to them. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's just, you know, in Bancroft, that's just the way it is. North Jam is never going to go. Yeah. Ahead. They don't have the depth, but man, a ton of credit though to Camas County. I mean, North Jam is not exactly the easiest place to play in the world. And to be down like that and kind of rally in the fourth quarter shows a lot about them. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they can parlay that into kind of a deep run in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. A tough matchup with Dietrich this week, the defending 1A D2 champs. Uh, the, so, so our hopes, District 5 hopes, rest with Rockland. Uh, Rockland also played on Thursday against Garden Valley, a 46-6 to win. This was a game that I was at, Jordan. I was in Rockland on the call for this game. I had a great time. Uh, and as I got the final score of the North Gem game, and I'm talking about it on the air, the PA announcer's next to me in the crow's nest, and he gets on the microphone yeah. and announces it. And as soon as he announced the final score of that North Gem game, all of the Rockland players and even the coaches like turned around and said, what? Are you serious? That can't be right. And this was in the middle of the game. Really? Um, yeah, no, I think that cause they had just lost the week before to him by what? 40 points. Yeah. Something like that. Holy cow. Uh, what were your impressions of, uh, Teague Matthews? They're a six foot four sophomore receiver. Oh, he is a stud. Now I will say that, uh, Gavin Perman played really well at quarterback for Rockland. He threw yeah. five touchdowns and, and yeah. he even caught a touchdown from Teague Matthews. They did a double pass where he threw it in the flat to Matthews and then Matthews completed it to Perman and Perman had to make a couple of moves to get into the end zone. Holy I will, God. I will say that um, with West Matthews and Teague Matthews and, and JT Parrish, they've got a lot of skill guys. My question with Rockland is, can they run the ball effectively enough? Because we know their passing game is, is awesome. Can they run the ball enough? It's something they struggled with against garden Valley. They went for it on a couple of fourth and shorts and a couple of times were were snuffed out and didn't get it. And so that's my big question for Rockland. The other thing is, is that against Garden Valley, Perman was able to just throw it up to Teague Matthews and say, hey, because you're five inches taller than their DB, I know you're going to come down and get this. Going forward, but they won't they be able that. to oh, Go ahead. Yeah, they do that in every game, though. I mean, th this is kind <laughs> of their, their same thing is they just throw the ball up. I mean, Gavin Perman just throws the ball up. It doesn't even matter who they're going against. And he's just kind of trusting them against, you know, to get that 50-50 ball. But yeah, like you're saying, you can do that against Garden Valley with success. Against better teams, you know, it, it might be tougher, especially Castleford coming up. Yes, and uh, weather-wise too. I mean, when that game kicked off on Thursday afternoon, the, it was like 65 degrees. It was a nice day. Uh, oh, you're going to be playing... You're going to be playing Friday night now where it's colder. Uh, I think weather-wise, they're going to be okay, no rain or anything like that. But unless they get into one of these domes pretty quickly here, you know, it's going to be tougher and tougher to pass as we get further into, into the playoffs as well. So, Sure. Uh, bad question. Where the heck is Castleford? So Castleford is in the same district as Cary. So they're kind of in that Magic Valley area, gotcha. kind of north of Twin Falls. Okay, perfect. So. Yep, that's where so that's where they are. I will say every lesson every week. I, that's right. You're learning more and more about the state of Idaho, and Perfect. it's 
geography. So um, Rockland has a chance. They are going to have to play really solid football because Castle Ford is a very good team. They almost beat Kerry earlier this year. So, yeah. Um, but I, I had a great time at Rockland. The people there are super nice. Uh, their coach, Jerry Hunter, took care of us, and it was it was great. So, great. Uh, yeah, it'll be, in, it'll be interesting to see how Rockland um, advances uh, into this quarterfinal matchup. So, all right. Well, I, I have a good feeling that not not every team will advance that we talked about here today, Jordan, but a, a good a good solid number of them are, I think. And so yeah. we'll, we should have plenty to talk about next week. Hopefully. Where are you going to be at? So what do you what do you got going on at the Idaho State Journal? You're going to have the nice profile on Jeb Harrison and Tom Harrison. Yeah, uh, and then we're going on Thursday to the March Valley game. And then Friday going to be at Holt Arena for the Pocatello Bishop Kelly game. That'll be huge. And then Saturday we get to go to a, Provo for Idaho State BYU. Um, so that'll be fun. I don't know if it's going to exactly be a, a close game, but you know, two teams that a lot of people in Pocatello care about um, a really cool environment to see a college football game. So I'm excited. Now I know you'll be going there in a professional capacity, but no, I don't no I, anymore. Right. I could, I, I honestly, I could care less what the score is. I know ISU is not going to win. BYU is good. ISU is not. Uh, what I, what I want to know from your recap is, were you able to find some tailgaters, not go tailgate, but just see that they actually exist. I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there were people hitting me up on Twitter after last time telling me to drop by different spots. So, you know, maybe I'll have to take them up, uh, this week. The only thing that stinks is it's a one kickoff and, you know, it's a three hour drive from Pocatello. So, um, you know, either I get up at six in the morning or, you know, maybe miss some of those tailgates. So. We'll see. Yeah, that's true. And you're going to be up late the night before because of yeah. all the playoff stuff going on. So good thing there's coffee. <laughs> that's right. Uh, room temperature coffee, as we talked Girl, about on an earlier you know podcast. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, Jordan. Well, we're looking forward to all of the great content you're going to have in the Idaho State Journal this week. And I guess I'll see you th- Thursday night at Holtz Arena. We're both going to be there covering the game. So that'll be Heck fun. Yeah, I'll see you there. All right. Well, thanks for tuning into the Southeast Idaho PrepCast brought to you by Pure Adrenaline Motorsports, your source for pulse pounding adrenaline sports apparel and accessories that ensure you have what you need to unleash your inner beast. For Jordan K, I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you here next time on the Southeast Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com.